0: The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Hello, friends. Happy Wednesday. I hope it is a happy Wednesday for you. It's a... it's a sunny day here in the Northeast, and I'm, I'm happy about that. But it's a, a day that's full of contradictions and clouds and all kinds of questions. I want you to feel like this is your show, because it is. So many of you participate in my little Twitter polls, at Stunt and so many of you follow me on Instagram, or on Facebook and, and send me notes and for that I'm greatly appreciative. But I also want to hear from you on, on any of the topics we bring up. So I encourage you, don't don't just be hiding there, lurking in the shadows of social media. Pick up the phone and call. 888 900 3393 So much to try and get to today. We will have, uh, since it's Wednesday, an hour from now, our buddy Dr. Jorge has some kind of important stuff to talk about in the world of health and wellness. So be here at least through his segment next hour if you can. At the bottom of the hour, we have another old friend stopping by. uh, Mighty John, the record guy, is going to talk to us about, about this day, the historical perspective of this day. From the world of music, as it's the anniversary of the alleged passing of Elvis Presley. I say alleged because I have friends who actually believe Elvis didn't die on that day that he's, he's out there somewhere, 83 years old today. Oh, it makes me laugh just thinking about it. And uh, yes, we'll get into the news. I said the news of the last Twenty-one hours in the promo. If you heard it, a lot going on, and there was fake news going on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull the Bravo Sierra card on our buddies over at uh, CNN, and you're 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 up for it, CNN. I know you're capable of handling it, but I also want to start the show with uh, a moment of grace, an incredible moment of grace that that just wrapped up there were a couple things that happened uh, earlier today really just before the show went on the air there has been a memorial service for currently the only person who died in direct action at the Saturday violence the terror attack in Charlottesville yes the the helicopter crash was part of it, but it was, that was not an intentional act, unfortunately. That was an accidental death, accidental deaths. Nonetheless, uh, those are very important and tragic, but the, the killing of Heather Heyer, to me, is uh, a pivot point in the awareness of so many people of what's going on in our world. And I watched, I watched the uh, memorial this this morning in the east here, just as it it led right up to the start of the show. And Dallas was calling me on the headphones saying, are you there, you hear me? And I said, yeah, I'm just trying to get it together after listening to Heather Heyer's mom talk. Now, I've I've done eulogies for my my parents in the last year and a half. It is impossibly difficult to stand in front of family in a church and some friends and do that. I can't imagine what it took for Susan Bro And her grandparents talked, too. Uh, Heather's grandfather was brilliant as well. But I I don't know what it takes for a mother to stand up there and and know that the whole world is watching. Yes, I know, not the whole world. I exaggerate to clarify. That's called hyperbole. But to know that that so many millions of people are tuned in and it's going to get played and replayed over and over again, just... uh, unbelievable amount of grace that that Heather Heyer's mother displayed as she stood on that stage and talked about her daughter but she also said something that I thought wow that's grace let me give you just a little sample of what Susan Bro said just minutes before this show started
2: And I think the reason that what happened to Heather has struck a chord is because we know that what she did is achievable. We don't all have to die. We don't all have to sacrifice our lives. They tried to kill my child to shut her up. Well, guess what? You just magnified her.
1: Wow, standing ovation. An absolute standing ovation in Charlottesville. Mom went on to say a few more brilliant things. Powerful, powerful things. She challenged people to get involved, to have uncomfortable conversations. I'm all for that, as long as they're honest. I'm all for making it difficult to avoid a topic that needs to be addressed. But I will tell you, as I've said for over a decade now in various places on the radio and television, we can disagree without being disagreeable. God bless Heather Heyer's mom and dad and grandfather, her entire family, and the people who are doing wonderful things in the, in the memory of Heather Heyer. As mom said today, There's a blood drive going on right down the block from where this memorial is in her name. There is uh, a meeting that happened the night before in Boston where people had uncomfortable conversations in Heather's name, but they weren't violent. So, yes, we can disagree without being disagreeable. We can stand up to evil. I come to this from experience from 40 years ago, not just, uh, you know, it was the summer that Elvis died. Yes, I remember that, and I've told you that story, and we'll relive it again later, but it was 40 years ago. I was I was uh, home for, I think it was the last summer I was home with my parents in my college years because I eventually never came back to Chicago. I went on with my life. But the summer of seventy seven I was working in a restaurant as a waiter. Like so many of us do and have done. It was a, a restaurant called King Arthur's Pub and it hadn't opened yet. But I remember the end of the end of my school year in 1977, in the spring of 77 I had read that a a brand new restaurant was opening up and they were looking for servers and it was going to be a high-end restaurant. And I thought, well, if I'm going to wait tables, I might as well wait tables in a high-end restaurant and make some real money. So I got a haircut and shaved and walked in dressed right and told them I'd worked in restaurants before. And, um, I remember the guy saying, uh, well, do you know French service? And I, of course I do. And he went tableside. I said, yes. Caesar salads. Absolutely. I can make a Caesar salad. None of that did I know. But the restaurant was an opening for two weeks and I figured I had time <laughs> to learn. <laughs> I got hired to work in King Arthur's Pub in the village of Skokie. Skokie is, at the time, it was a town of 70,000 people. It's a pretty good-sized little suburb of Chicago, and it it abuts the city limits on the north side. As a matter of fact, there's a little bitty transit system. It was called the Skokie Swift, and it connected Skokie to the Chicago transit system so you could get on the CTA and get anywhere in the city. If you're a Chicagoan, you know what I'm talking about. Skokie was a town that was was an anomaly because it had a massive concentration of Jewish people who had come to America after they survived the concentration camps. 70,000 people lived in Skokie. One out of every 10, we're talking 1977. One out of every 10 had a tattoo from the concentration camps. One out of every 10. Think of that. So in the summer of 77, as I was trying to get a job at King Arthur's Pub, in Skokie, across from Saul and High's Deli, yes, really, Saul and High's Deli, in Skokie, the Nazis announced they were going to march there. The American Nazi Party was going to march in the streets of Skokie. They had chosen it to create the most havoc. They had chosen it to, to make their message stand out and get attention. The city banned them. The little village of Skokie said, no, you're not welcome here. And the Nazis sued. And with the help of the American Civil Liberties Union, yes, the ACLU stood shoulder to shoulder with the Nazis and fought for their right to march. What happened over the next few months? Just unbelievable history that happened in this tiny little section outside of Chicago, this tiny little village that was home to so many people, so many people who survived the concentration camps. It was there waiting tables that I was asked to stay on Monday nights and help, help the ADL and the JDL and Meyer kahana as they were making their plans on how to face off against the Nazis when they marched in Skokie, because it was believed that the ACLU would win its fight. And the ACLU did win that fight. It took them several months. The actual decision didn't come down to till a year later. But yeah, the ACLU helped the Nazis get the right to march in Skokie. You don't remember this, do you? You're probably thinking this was a scene in the Blues Brothers movie. In a way, it was. But this part really happened. I had a front row seat to the hate that we're seeing again. And that year, the resolution was pretty amazing. I'll explain to you what happened. After the break, we'll be right back. You're
0: listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Welcome back to Pure Opelka. We are talking about the news of the day, but we're relating it back to 40 years ago. 40 years ago when the Nazis wanted to march in a Chicago suburb called Skokie. and As I mentioned, Skokie is a, a tiny little place of, well, tiny in Chicago terms. Seventy thousand people lived in Skokie at the time. Seven thousand of them, give or take a couple, survived concentration camps. It was a powerful community, a strong community of hard-working, very hard-working Jewish people, and it was a an area where I had gotten a summer job to work at King Arthur's Pub, a brand new high-end restaurant across from one of the most famous delis in the north side, Saul and High's. You couldn't get any different. King Arthur's Pub, although, was owned by Michael Lieberman, a restaurateur in Chicago of some note. And Lieberman was a powerful guy. A guy who actually went to college in Texas on on a rodeo scholarship, of all things. We had long talks about Texas as I was between my junior and senior year in college. And we talked about everything. But when the Nazis announced they were coming to Skokie, Lieberman would close the restaurant early on Monday nights. And the mem- some members of the ADL, the Anti Defamation League, and the JDL, the Jewish Defense League, and Meyer Kahana, the late Meyer Kahana, would meet after closing, and they would sit at at a big round table in the bar area of King Arthur's Pub as a pianist from the Chicago Symphony Orchestra would play the piano while these guys talked about cracking heads if the Nazis ever made it to town. Cracking heads. There were calls for legal remedies. I remember that, and I do remember As I was waiting tables and pouring bottled water and wine for these guys and bringing out whatever they wanted to eat from the kitchen, I remember hearing the rhetoric and the the discussion get really heated. But there were ultimately calls for using the legal system to fight it. And there was frustration because the ACLU had taken the case. And they were fighting for the rights of free speech. The Illinois ACLU fought for the freedom of speech for the American Nazis, the National Socialist Party of America. In the end, the courts sided with the Nazis. The ACLU ACLU won every aspect of their case. The Nazis were free to march and they scheduled a date. They actually said they were going to be there, scheduled a date. And as, as the date got closer and closer, police presence was going to be ramped up. The Nazis knew that the police presence would be there to prevent any violence against them. But there was also a call for mockery. There was also a gigantic call to stand and laugh at the, at the Nazis. Not to forbid them, not to violently confront them but to mock them. What a brilliant idea. Make fun of these idiots. Ignoring it sometimes works, but overwhelming stupidity with a peaceful expression and a healthy dose of mockery. In this case, the chickens never showed up. Forty years ago, I had a front seat to history. Never thought we'd be here again. Yet we are. I suggest we use the same prescription. Let's mock them and let them know how stupid they are. Hold up a mirror, not a hammer, not a fist. Peace will shut it down. We'll be right back with uh, a tribute to Elvis and a way to get some big bucks out of those old Elvis records next on Pure Opelka.
0: You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pelka, on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Welcome back to Pure Pelka. Busy day here. Yeah, we are uh, trying to cover the news of the day and relate it back to the news in history because history does teach us very important stuff, and that's why I talked about my summer in 1977 in Skokie, Illinois, and the Nazis who wanted to march and were ultimately shamed out of it. I'm a firm believer in peaceful. Delivery of snark missiles and mockery to stupid people. That you can shut down anything dangerous with, with your brain and not your fists. But also, as, as we've talked in the past, this being Elvis week, this being the week that Elvis Presley allegedly passed away in 1977. And I remember it because my friend Todd Pearson and I were coming out of Star Wars in the middle of the afternoon, and every radio station in Chicago was playing Elvis Presley music. Every single one. Even the ones that usually played the Bay City Rollers or the Ohio Players. They all were playing Elvis. And Todd went, what's going on? Thinking he was in a Twilight Zone episode. And I looked at him and I said, Elvis Presley's dead. Genius, figure it out. They never do this unless somebody's dead. And on this 40th anniversary of the alleged passing, we look for not only the lessons of history, but how to be pure capitalists on this. And Elvis was the guy who reportedly sold a billion records in his lifetime. And some of those records are worth a lot of money. And that's why we talked to our friend John Marshall, Mighty John the Record Guy. This guy knows more about vinyl than anybody I know the valuable vinyl, all that stuff. If you go to moneymusic.com, you'll see what what John has collected. But he has carved out a little time today to spend with us to talk about, the, the. they're not the dirty dozen. They might be called the golden dozen of Elvis Presley pieces of vinyl. John, welcome back to the program, sir. Thank you, Mike. Great to be with you. You know, I love it when you, when you always send me these reminders, hey, We've got another kind of vinyl holiday, and we need to talk about finding gold out there in those yard sales and basements and attics and whatever. So I, I was really thrilled about this one because, John, I don't know if you know this. Today's also the anniversary of the, the discovery of gold in California.
3: I didn't know.
1: <laughs> so, you know, we, we kind of got a thread going here. Yeah, that y- you can find gold and gold in uh, in vinyl as well as in the ground, but yeah, uh, black
3: gold, and it's not just Texas tea.
1: Well, some <laughs> some of this is not black black gold. Some no, of these true. vinyl records are different colors, aren't they?
3: <laughs> that's true.
1: <laughs> now, if we're talking about this uh, this golden dozen of Elvis most valuable vinyl pieces. Uh, let, let's start at uh, number twelve. What comes in at twelve, and what are we looking for?
3: Well, at number twelve on our list, the most valuable Elvis records, an album called Pure Gold. Now, if you have this album, the color of the label on the record makes all the difference. If it's a black RCA label, it's up to a thousand dollars. But if the label is only yellow, uh, no more than twenty bucks. So you got to. Why, why did they make
1: a a black label?
3: Well, we don't know how many were pressed. Obviously. Uh, the value and the difference makes us realize there are far fewer of them. It all depends on what plant was pressing them, and there was no rhyme or reason for it.
1: Huh? Was, and just was no
3: like I'm going to create a collectible by making a few black label copies of this record, that didn't work so that way. Th- that is a
1: 1980 RCA uh, album, a vinyl long-playing album called Pure Gold with the black label in the middle, worth yeah. possibly a thousand bucks depending on condition. Obviously, right? Yes. And then we jump into number 11. We pick up another 500 bucks with a $1,500 possible bounty for a 45. One
3: of the early 45s on the Sun record label. Good, rockin' tonight. Current value up to $1,500. 1500
1: Do these ever get counterfeited, John? And yes. how, do, how do you make sure you're not getting a counterfeit?
3: Well, you know, in the price guide that we put out, uh, we list all known counterfeits and describe all reissues so you know exactly what you're getting or what you have. Uh, the counterfeits, generally it's a different, uh, the color of the label is not quite the same, The the feel of the plastic may be flimsy where the original may be very rigid. There are all kinds of different variations depending on which particular record we're talking about.
1: I, I love knowing how to spot fakes and how to spot real ones. That's why I ask. And then, well, if, uh, coming uh, in,
3: if you if you were on the internet and somebody was selling this for ten bucks, then you would know that it's probably a fake.
1: That's a good point because <laughs> it's generally known that uh, a forty-five from nineteen fifty-four in good condition could fetch up to fifteen hundred. Number ten is one that came out twenty years after Elvis died. Tell me about Moody Blue. Uh, no, this came
3: out while he. This was the last album. This was out when he died, nineteen seventy-seven. Uh, Did I put 97 on that? I guess. Yeah, you did. That's why I was confused. I'm very sorry about that. Yeah, Moody Blue. Now, most people who have this album have it on blue vinyl. 95% of them were blue. So that's the more common color, worth up to about $25. But if you find one on red, gold, green, or white vinyl... Then the value jumps up to $1,800. Wow.
1: 1977, Moody Blue, the year Elvis passed away. If you find any other color besides black or blue vinyl, could be a bunch of money. And then another another 45 comes in at number nine. Hmm. The 1965 single for a song I don't know, Do the Clam. (laughs) Why could this possibly be worth money?
3: Yes, so the slam was from a movie called Girl Happy, which Elvis did. And if you have the picture sleeve for this forty-five, and on it are the words "Ask for Elvis's Girl Happy Album," that's the key. That hmm. makes that record worth up to two thousand dollars.
1: So you get the picture sleeve, and it has the words "Ask for Elvis's Girl Happy Album." You could score two grand for a forty-five.
3: Absolutely, that's- the value here is about ten bucks for the record about two thousand dollars for that picture sleeve
1: and it's all it's all about the ephemeral stuff everybody it's about the things that are meant to fade quickly or go away stuff we throw away paper things ephemera usually drives the value up higher uh next on our chart here the 1968 rca lp speedway and this one this one's not even stereo it's mono but why is this worth up to four grand
3: well, this is uh, worth up to four grand because by the end of the '60s, mostly everything was in stereo, so to find a mono version would be rare. So in this hmm. case, four thousand dollars a stereo copy of Speedway would be up to about seventy-five to a hundred dollars.
1: Isn't that interesting? Something that's uh, basically considered not as technologically advanced is worth thousands more. Just a stunning thing. Uh, now yeah. we start getting into the big money at five grand a 1969 LP. On the RCA label, the International Hotel Presents Elvis. And this one has a box with it?
3: Well, this was a, if you had gone to one of his concerts in Vegas at the International Hotel, that's where these were available. Hmm. And if you, it was a box set. It had like the menu of the meal from uh, the International Hotel, all kinds of little paraphernalia. And uh, so it's a big collectible up to uh,
1: $6,000, $5,000. That's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And now uh, ratcheting it up another notch, a 1956 EP, an extended play uh, worth six grand. Is this a a music or is this an interview?
3: Well, no, this is music. It's called The Most Talked About New Personality. And of course, in 1956, that was Elvis. And uh, uh, it's an EP. There's two records in the set, actually. And it is worth up to $6,000.
1: It's amazing to me that an old piece of vinyl, I know, and it's, it is about condition, everybody. Uh, we go back to uh, another EP in the 50s, and 59, King Creole. And this one, uh, it's about the label that drives it up to the big money.
3: Absolutely. This is an EP, King Creole. Uh, if it's a black RCA label, it's up to about $300. But if the label is maroon in color, uh, then you're up to $7,500.
1: That's amazing to me. It's just stunning. We're we're talking to our buddy uh, John from uh, moneymusic.com. Uh, if you want to know more about the value of vinyl, then you need to check out what John's up to. But today we're it's it's all about Elvis because this is the anniversary. Now we're down to the the final four. A nineteen sixty four RCA forty five that's worth eight grand. I, I I'm mystified here.
3: Well, the name of the song is Such a Night. It was sent to radio stations, so the value is for the promo or DJ copies that say promotional copy or not for sale that were sent to radio. Eight thousand dollars.
1: Eight grand, and it's just because these are these were like pre releases. As a as a guy who worked on Wacky Morning Zoos, I have crates of vinyl yeah. that was sent to me by the record labels back in the eighties but uh, I always thought that if it said not for sale, the record companies would come and and take it away from you. Well, no,
3: and a lot of people think that. You know, these records were sent to you without you asking for them. Mm -hmm. So anything that you receive in the mail that you didn't ask for and they say you can't sell it, you can sell it.
1: Okay, well, that's good to know. I'm going to be in my basement after you and I talk. (laughs) Now, the final three here in the last minute or so, a yep. 1961 7-inch, 33 RPM uh, record. His latest flame is worth twelve grand.
3: Now, the regular 45 that most people have is worth about $40. But the 7-inch 33, these are singles that were the size of a 45 but played <laughs> at the speed of an album. And with picture sleeve, Marie's the name of his latest flame, up to $12,000. Well,
1: but you got to have that picture sleeve. Coming in at number two, on the 12 most valuable Elvis pieces of vinyl. And another RCA 7-inch 33 is uh, the classic, Can't Help Falling in Love. How much is this one worth?
3: With picture sleeve, and in this case, it's a 50-50 split in value between the sleeve and the record, up to $16,000.
1: So if you just found the sleeve, it could be worth eight grand in good Absolutely. shape. And if you just found the vinyl, it could be eight grand. You got it. Wow. No, you don't have it, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, I don't have it. Otherwise, <laughs> I'd be taking some time off today. And give me the give me the number one most valuable piece of Elvis vinyl that that checks in at, wow, what a nice chunk of change this would be.
3: Well, number one on our list is 7-inch 33 of a number one hit. Good luck charm with picture sleeve up to $24,000. Wow.
1: So if you're out there searching, sniff around the back... There the vinyl bins yeah they have to be out there and it is about condition 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 and especially with the picture sleeves wow that's just great stuff john i appreciate it um we we find you at moneymusic.com you can get answers to questions about vinyl and see what john's looking at he's got mail-in appraisals as well as uh testimonials to back up his info i sure appreciate you sir well
3: mike i always enjoy your show thank you so much
1: Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. You too. And uh, we'll be right back. You're listening
4: to Pure
0: Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure
1: Opelka with Mike Opelka
0: on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Got to say thank you. Thank you, FilterBuy, FilterBuy.com. New sponsor here, brand new sponsor, FilterBuy.com. As a person who is never able to remember when I'm supposed to change the filters in the air conditioning and heating units, you know, those those little rectangular filters, you have to slide into the space. You have to make sure you know which way the air is going. And you have to find the right size. Filter by is now changing my life. Filter by, first of all, American-made, family company, uh, these filters, terrific filters, any size you want, you're going to find it. And it's not just residential. It, if you've got a business and you've got a warehouse and you need to constantly Replace those filters to keep the air filtered and to keep, let's face it, if the filters are clogged to keep your air conditioning and heating units running efficiently, filterby.com, filterby.com. I'm going to keep telling you this. I went on the website. I found my filters, bingo, bango, bongo. I ordered them. They're going to ship them out the next day. And the greatest thing is I can set it up for automatic delivery. I can buy a handful of them. I can buy one filter. I can buy a truckload of filters. And of course, the more you buy, the better deal you're going to get. But American-made, these are great filters that are going to keep my AC and heating systems running efficiently. And I don't have to go crawling around the store anymore. So, A, thank you, Filter Buy, for being a part of this radio service. Thank you for supporting this show, and I know I'm supporting you, and I hope you guys, if you need air filters, check it out. Air and furnace sizes for everything. Filterby.com. Now, filterby.com. Now, before we shut off this hour and get ready for the next hour, we're going to start the next hour with our buddy, Dr. Jorge, and some really important health stuff. Because a miracle happened on, on the baseball field. The other day, I don't know if you saw, Mr. Bettis come back, and uh, pitch seven amazing innings after battling cancer and having a a, a second bout against cancer. But we're going to talk about that with Dr. Jorge. So we'll we'll get into that inspiring story. I also have a fake news report that I'm going to drop a hammer on CNN. We have more clips from Heather Heyer's mom. Including one that I have to play for you, and um, a, a couple of questions that I have to ask as well. But uh, we we have so much to talk about today, and thank God we have two more hours to get to it. If you want to join the conversation, triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three. But the doctor is in the house just around the corner. Doctor Jorge joins us. We're going to talk about some miracles in, in cancer, and maybe about testosterone. Why is everybody taking it? Why do they need it? And do they? Come on back after the break.
0: Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Welcome back to Pure Opelka. We are uh, starting off the second hour of today's show on a Wellness Wednesday with uh, some some information that will be coming up at the bottom of the hour to talk about what the vice president just said as he is traveling around the world, it seems in reaction to what happened in Charlottesville and the statements about about what we're going to do with these monuments. And you guys took a poll yesterday. I'll give you the the poll results after we visit with our friend Dr. Jorge. Because it's a Wednesday, we do try to, to talk wellness with our friend Dr. Jorge Rodriguez. Go to drjorge.com and you can find out what he's up to. Wednesdays are also the day that Dr. Jorge appears on uh, Collide.com at 8.30 Eastern and 5.30 on the West Coast time and do the math for the rest of the country. But uh, he's taken us through his battle on trying to be healthy and maintain a a healthy eating and a healthy lifestyle and all that good stuff that we all strive for. But uh, I invited Dr. Jorge to dive into a topic today kind of below the belt because I read the story of Chad Bettis, the um, right-handed pitcher for the Colorado Rockies who spent just about nine months going through chemotherapy to um, make a comeback after he was diagnosed as having testicular cancer. And if you watched it just uh, like two nights ago after, after going through chemo and really having it, uh, having to face chemo into the early part of this year, He came out and pitched seven scoreless innings. Just an amazing and inspiring moment. But I think it's okay for us to to use it to open the door to, uh, I'm going to say, a sensitive topic, Dr. Jorge. Welcome back, my Uh friend. Thank
5: you. Thank you. How are you doing, Mike?
1: Yeah, I'm good. good Indeed. Yeah, and it's one that, as guys, you know, um, the – the twig and berries are always the discussion that gets us all nervous because <laughs> we we don't know I've quite I've heard it.
5: Yeah, <laughs> the twig and berries. Okay. Well, uh, you know, the, you know absolutely. You know, there's a certain ick factor. There's an area below the belt, I think especially for men that we don't want to go there. You know, when it when it comes to being examined and the bottom line is, come on guys, get over. it. We need to go there because for example, testicular cancer uh, is almost 90% curable if, if you catch it early. And rightfully so, there is a lot of press and, you know, about women and, and breast cancer. But testicular cancer and testicular tumors is the number one tumor that affects men between the ages of 20 and 35 in wow. the U.S. And I think a lot of people are not aware of that. You know, we we worry about, yeah, the number one tumor. So if you notice, you know, people, you know, like uh, the the picture that we're talking about, Lance Armstrong is another person that had testicular cancer. They had it, you know, when they were relatively young, you know. So I I try to make it a little facetious so to take a little bit of the of the ick factor out of it, you know. So, guys, you know, get to know your berries um, because, (laughs) (laughs) seriously, because the most important thing, you know, women get breast examinations and a doctor or a woman can self-examine and they can tell if something's different. The first sign of testicular cancer is noticing something different in the testicles. So in order to know what's different, you know, you got to know what's normal and, you know, the, the testicles have a lot of gunk around them. You know a lot of veins so I I suggest that men self-examine you know on a monthly basis Uh, it takes a couple of seconds and what you would notice is something larger coming in there you know something that's that's harder something different um, in other words and that's what should prompt a doctor's visit And here's another thing about testicular cancer guys, by the time it is painful, that means that it has probably moved outside of the testicles and that's not a good sign. So the first thing that, yeah, exactly. So if you're waiting to to have pain, right, if you're waiting to have some blood, you know, that that might be coming out in your urine or the semen by that time, it's, it means that it has moved um, around and out. So, it, it needs to be checked, um, and it, it, there are approximately nine thousand new cases of testicular cancer diagnosed every year in the U.S. The good news is that of these nine thousand, there are only about four thousand deaths a year, and I think there are four thousand deaths that could be avoided. Well, so again, I was going to say
1: that's that's four thousand
5: too many. I'm sorry, not four thousand. Did I say that four hundred? Nine thousand oh, okay. cases, only four hundred deaths. So again, okay. it is. It is a tumor that is very treatable, and but you know there's a ninety to ninety-five percent cure rate. But by the same token, the flip side of that coin is that testicular cancer seems to be rising uh, for the past decade, almost like one one percent to one and a half percent. So so the
1: that- the key is like with everything as as we hear with breast cancer, you know, self examination on a regular basis is a good thing. The same thing, guys, with testicular cancer, your twig and berries are probably going to be known best to you. And if there's something uh, unusual, uh, a change in size is is always oh, hardness, a, yeah. an, a, an alert. And as Dr. No. Jorge said, if it becomes painful, uh, that's a really bad sign that you may have waited long and things have moved to another neighborhood as well. And that's not good.
5: Correct. Correct. But here's the, here's the good side, the good news. Listen, there's never, it's never good news to have cancer. It's never good news to have cancer that has spread. But testicular cancer, even cancer that has spread, what we call metastatic is also, all right, very curable. You have to go through prolonged chemotherapy, all right, like, like our, our pitcher did. Um, but again, that's why he's back and in great form. So that should be the plus side. Look at these great athletes you know, that have bounced back from this. And the important thing is to diagnose it. Then after that, you can do ultrasounds and MRIs, you know, and then we need to stage it, which means a biopsy to see what type it is, because depending on the type of testicular cancer, um, you know, then the treatment uh, is applied. And, And no, guys, there is no specific blood test, all right, that definitively diagnoses testicular cancer. It has to be, A clinical examination that that prompts that or not.
1: Okay. Now, doctor, I got to ask you a question, because I can't turn on the TV or the radio without hearing um, ads for guys to be taking testosterone. And Uh to me, this makes me nervous, because anything the body manufactures and and Mm -hmm. nature says, you know, in, in this perfect vehicle God has given us, perfect, imperfect, uh, yep. you're supposed to have this amount at this time. Uh, yep. Mainstreaming of testosterone as an additive to our diets makes me nervous. Should it make yep. me nervous?
5: Yeah, it should make you nervous. I mean, there are completely um, acceptable reasons for men to have tes- uh, testosterone supplementation, but I think it's it's going overboard. You're absolutely right. There There are two schools of thought here. One is... The body naturally in men decreases the production of testosterone as we become more mature. And there's a drop that starts at approximately age 40. uh, And the body is supposed to not have testosterone. So that school of thought says, hey, if you take more testosterone, your prostate is going to be enlarged all the time because you're going to have a higher risk of prostate cancer. That may or may not be true. Right now, it hasn't been proven. All right. But I agree with you you know, that, that it is not the normal thing, you know, let's say for a guy my age in his fifties to have a certain level of testosterone, certainly not above normal. There's another, then the opposite school of thought says, Hey, having testosterone gives you more, um, by, you know, vitality, um, lets your, your muscles live longer. And it does, it does do that. So, That's the other school of thought. Some people think, hey, I'm going to take testosterone and I'm going to be a raging stallion forever. You know what? That isn't the case. Um, Supplemented testosterone has not shown, all right, to increase a man's sexual prowess. It does increase your stamina, you know, your ability to work out um, and things like that. So consult your doctor first and foremost and have that discussion with them. But I... I, I think, yeah.
1: Yeah, I was going to say. I think it's it's always wise if you're messing with your body's chemistry. And let's face it, some of these things are messing with your chemistry, and no doubt. there are unintended consequences of stuff like this. Yeah. So yeah. No
5: doubt. No doubt. Be careful. If, be if smart. Yeah. If you're a man that's already had, for example, testicular cancer, uh, prostate cancer, any other form of of cancer, supplementing your testosterone would be absolutely the wrong thing to do because it may predispose you to have tumors flare up so yeah definitely be smart you know uh there are other ways of of dealing with issues you know that men go to doctors for
1: we're talking to dr jorge it's our regular wellness wednesday segment with our friend and uh you can find him on collide.com wednesday nights 8 30 east coast 5 30 west coast talking about his fight to be healthy and be yep. strong and be Uh, better at all this stuff doc before i let you go um should i be nervous about these fleas they found the bubonic plague on in arizona (laughs) it's about time for me to panic isn't it yes
5: look there's a lot of other stuff you should be panicking about let's let's not worry about the fleas just yet all right and the bubonic plague and and all that but let's keep an eye on it because you know (laughs) You know, you, I worry about those things too. If, if, if there's to be a problem, it'll start increasing exponentially soon. So we'll see, but don't worry about the fleas yet. Okay.
1: Okay, I'm not. I, I initially thought hantavirus, and then I'm reading the article, and it says it's the same plague that devastated Europe. It's the bubonic plague, and I'm going. Okay, it's the end of the world. What? What else could go wrong? I, I, this is just what I needed. So. Well, thank you, Doc. You talked me in off the ledge. You're welcome. Good. And uh, you know what? This is one of those moments, too, Doctor, that I thank you for your uh, constant fight against the stupidity that sometimes is found out on the streets. I think you and I are both in agreement that we have to call out people who are (sighs) trying to divide us based on gender, based on color, based on religion, any of this stuff. I you know, and, and, and you know where I sit, but you also know that I, I, I'm like the first person. Um,
5: but you know what? Maybe America is no longer a melting pot. You know, and, and when I grew up in Miami, some people brought up the idea of a salad, you know, and yeah. in a salad, every individual component has a different taste and brings something new to the game. You know, and that is what makes this country and all of us, I think, really good beautiful and be able to thrive you know that's what makes the tapestry of America the different colors the different textures um, and and we just need to chill out man seriously and and realize that there is nothing wrong with difference every one of us is different from each one of us whether we're white or black or Hispanic no two people are the same and that's what makes you know a, a community able to thrive so thank you
1: yeah let's, thank let's you my friend back. I I love that we're all part of the great salad we call America. (laughs) Uh, There he goes. Dr. Jorge Rodriguez. Find him at drjorge.com, and we'll be right back.
0: Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Yes, of course. I I love the fact that Buck Sexton is now live every night. And you guys can get Buck live and occasionally a little bit of Commie Bear. And you can join his conversation. Very happy about that. that. That does make me very, very happy. For a while there, Buck was kind of on a delay. But now he's back. Live, in living color. That's an old reference, too. You know, Not there was a time in the 60s when television was not always in color. 50s, too. And uh, so when color TV became a thing, NBC would always say live and in living color. And they had the peacock out there. We're getting breaking news that because of the executives leaving Donald Trump's business councils, two of them have been disbanded. And this is having an effect on apparently the stock market as well as the price of gold, which spiked on this news. stock market still appears to be positive for the day. But with Kenneth Parker from Merck and Scott Paul from American Manufacturing and Kevin Plank from Under Armour and Richard Trumpka, communist, from uh, the AFL-CIO and Thea May Lee from Campbell's or uh, Denise Morrison from Campbell's. All these folks dropping out. The president basically felt like, despite what he said yesterday, that there were a bunch of people waiting to get on those councils. He's disbanded them. Not a good thing. It's not something that makes me uh, comfortable. Now, I do want to share with you something I noticed yesterday. Yesterday, after the press conference that people were losing their mind over, there, there was a focus on, on something that I have to call out as fake news. As Donald Trump finished a press conference that we understand was not even supposed to happen... The president was not planning on taking questions. Everybody in the White House is saying he did that on his own. We advised him not to take questions. We were going to have him make a statement and turn it over to Elaine Chao and uh, I forget whoever else, Mnuchin, I think, was there, Steve Mnuchin. But he never did. He, he took all the questions and then said, OK, we're out of here, and I'm watching, I watched the whole thing, the entire thing, so I know what happened. And as he's leaving, people are shouting questions at him, just totally out of the blue questions. Asking him, are you going to come down to Charlottesville? Will you be there? But the statement that I totally call out as Bravo Sierra Fake News was on CNN, and actually a couple other, uh, MSNBC is using this too, basically says Trump touts his wir- winery while discussing Charlottesville. Quote, I own one of the largest wineries in the United States. Close quote. Now, if you read that, if you just look at that, you say, CNN, wow. How insensitive of Donald Trump touting his own winery while talking about Charlottesville. Well, here, here's how CNN played it.
5: Lead and... Does wow, I own a house that was something else. Oh, I mean, he's still I, talking. Oh, Let's stay listening.
4: It's, be, it's in Charlottesville. You'll see. Where is the it winery? It's a. It is the winery. I mean, I know a lot about Charlottesville. Charlottesville is a great place that's been very badly hurt over the last couple of days. I own. I own actually one of the largest wineries in the United States. It's in Charlottesville.
1: Now that very end part where he says I own one of the largest wineries in the United States. Actually, it's in Charlottesville. Just that part has been isolated and played ad nauseum. Basically saying, this insensitive bastard is talking about his winery instead of about the problem that we have in this country, the divide in this country. Instead of calling out the, the neo-Nazis and the, and the KKK and the alt-right, the violent people, He's bragging about his winery. Well, that's really, really unfair. And it's actually not what really happened. What really happened was something altogether different. So while CNN and MSNBC will keep playing this.
4: I own own actually one of the largest wineries in the United States. It's in Charlottesville.
1: That clip. That little clip is possibly, with that headline, one of the most misleading things I've seen come out of CNN and MSNBC to date. I'll break it down. I'll play for you what really happened after the break. Michael Pelka and Puro Pelka, come on back.
0: with Michael
1: Pelka welcome back welcome back I have so many different things I need to get to today We're in the middle of talking about this fake news story with uh, Donald J Trump billionaire and uh, how CNN basically screwed him on something and, and I'll and MSNBC too but I want to remind you, uh, Relief Factor, if you haven't jumped on the bus and tried the three-week quick start kit from Relief Factor, I don't know what you're waiting for. I am, I am such a devotee of this. I use Relief Factor every single day. Brad Staggs tried to get me on this a- almost a year ago. And now I finally started in uh, January, February, March, April? Yes, April 7th. And I got the three-week quick start pack. I take it breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's like a little packet of vitamins. And what is it? It is a doctor-created natural mixture of botanicals and wild-caught fish oil that works with your body to reduce inflammation and help you fight everyday aches and pains. Like in in my knees and my back and my hips, I had pain. I started taking it April 7th. April 15th, eight days later, I noticed severe changes. The irritation was gone. The pain was gone. I'm not taking anything aside from relief factor. Now I do it every day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Three-week quick start pack. Over a million have been sold. 80% of the people who buy it reorder it. That should tell you something. It typically works in seven to 10 days. 80% 80% reorders. It's 1995. So check them out at relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com, or you can uh, pick up the phone and call them, 800-500-8384, 800-500-8384, Relief Factor. It works for me. I hope it works for you. Now back to this, This uh, well, I'm calling it Bravo Sierra because it sure feels like Bravo Sierra. I'm, I'm calling out CNN for some of the junk they've been doing. I'm calling out CNN because, because what, what I watched with Donald Trump is just ridiculous. I watched the president. I watched the entire press conference yesterday. And it was supposed to be, yes, it was supposed to be about infrastructure. It was President Trump talking about infrastructure, and then he was supposed to step aside and let Elaine Chao and and Secretary Mnuchin, two of his cabinet members, handle questions from the press. Totally fell off the rails and got into Charlottesville. But if you watched MSNBC or CNN, all you saw them talk about was this, this obsession, this fascination with, oh, Donald Trump was bragging about his vineyard. Now, like, w- wait a minute. What are you saying? Yeah, Donald Trump is bragging about his vineyard. And they were completely obsessed with this. As a matter of fact, CNN had a piece where they said Trump, Trump of- touts his vineyard. And they had Donald Trump as, as he was leaving the press conference. This had gone on for about about 15 minutes. Trump was leaving the press conference. He was in the in the midst of, of walking out and uh, what did CNN do? Well they jumped and yelled a lot of people were yelling questions at him. They asked him if he was going to Charlottesville and in the course of talking about Charlottesville, he mentioned at the very end, he mentioned his vineyard like this.
4: last couple of days I own, I own actually one of the largest wineries in the United States, it's in Charlottesville."
1: So just just that little comment, I own one of the very, now that became the statement. That became the, the headline. Donald Trump discussing Charlottesville brags about his vineyard. Well, here's what really happened. After talking about Charlottesville for quite a while, and, and frankly, I'm one of those people who said, look, Donald Trump violated the first rule of holes. When you find yourself in a hole, stop Digging. I think this is one of the more foolish steps he's taken. He had addressed Charlottesville on Saturday and obviously needed to say more, so he said more on Monday. But on Tuesday, Donald Trump reopened the problem. But at the very end, it was not until the very end of the the press conference he is finishing up. He's almost done and he's about to leave. And that's when the comment about the vineyard happened, and it wasn't even on Mike. He had left the podium, and was walking away. Here's here's the very end, and this is what precipitated that. I was
4: very. I I thought that the statement put out, uh, the the mother's statement. I thought was a beautiful statement. I was telling you, it was it was something that, I really appreciated. I thought it was terrific, and. Really, under the under the kind of uh, stress that she's under and the heartache that she's under, I thought putting out that statement to me was really something I won't forget. Thank you all very much.
1: Thank. So he tries to end after this contentious press conference with a warm and fuzzy thing about the mother. Says thank you all very much, and he's walking away. And that's when this happens. Thank you. He's leaving. Do
4: you plan to go to Charlottesville, Mr.
1: President?
4: In Charlottesville. Will you go to Charlottesville. Does anyone know I own a house in Charlottesville? Where is it? Oh boy, it's going to be. It's in Charlottesville. You'll see. Is it the It is the winery. Will you, Will you to 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 I mean, I know a lot about Charlottesville. Charlottesville is a great place that's been very badly hurt over the last couple of days. I own, I own actually one of the largest wineries in the United States, it's in Charlottesville. What do
1: you think needs to be done to overcome the racial divide?
0: Well, I really think
4: jobs can have a big impact. I think if we continue to create jobs, over a million, substantially more than a million, and you see just the other day, the car companies coming in with Fox, you know, Fox, I think if we continue to create jobs at levels that I'm, that I'm creating jobs, I think that's going to have a tremendous impact, positive impact on race relations.
1: So what Donald Trump did was walk away, and as he was walking away, the reporter shouted questions at him, and one person, maybe two, asked, are you going to go to Charlottesville? And he mentioned the fact that he knows Charlottesville, he's got a house in Charlottesville, He's familiar with Charlottesville, and yes, in fact, he does have a vineyard, a very large vineyard, and there's a winery there. And uh, Eric Trump runs that business. But then he's asked another question about solving the racial divide, and Donald Trump says something that many have said in the past, that solving the racial divide really does go back to jobs. Do you remember, it was about five summers ago, when Glenn Beck talked about the coming insurrection and the way France was having the, the car burnings almost nightly? Cars were being ignited, there were riots, all kinds of bad stuff was happening in France. And it all was related to unemployment. The fact that the youth in France, youth unemployment was at 50% Cause considerable problems, especially in the Muslim communities and the communities of color. So Donald Trump is right. Donald Trump's straight statement about getting people to work, getting people back to work, would actually have an effect on some of the discontent that we see marching in the streets. Now, is it going to solve all the problems? Or are we going to be able to tamp down these, these jack wagons, these white supremacists? No, you're not going to solve all of it, but it is going to go a great distance. So when when CNN steps out and promotes and plugs and plays this ridiculous statement and isolates that one ridiculous statement that, that I, I just can't believe they're doing it, I have to give them the Donald Trump treatment. You are fake news absolutely CNN you are fake news that's just not fair and MSNBC when you're playing it and and trumping that up pardon the pun intended MSNBC you too you are fake news you get it as well Mike Opelka and Pure Opelka we'll be right back
0: you're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network
1: ask a favor of this crew if you are not following my channel on the blaze radio network if you're not going to the blaze.com and clicking on the channel bar at the very top of the page would you kindly consider that would you kindly consider being one of the people who follows me i'm trying to catch up to doc thompson i know glenn Beck and dana lash have a huge head start but I'm trying to catch up to Doc Thompson. He's kind of close. Plus, you'll get to see they finally, after, um, after three or four years, they finally changed the photo. They updated the photo. So the picture that was in there was from CPAC 2012 or 2013. It was a very old photograph, nonetheless. But uh, happy, happy to have you follow my channel on TheBlaze.com slash channels it'll um it'll help me catch up to thompson like i said he's got about a he's got about a three thousand follower head start and i'd love to just smoke him but you know he's out there pushing social media all day long for gosh sakes so i guess i'm gonna have to follow in his footsteps um and you can follow you know you can also follow glenn and dana you don't have to follow doc and salcedo and and buck sexton they're all on there but the blaze will then give you a heads up whenever there's a new story posted or whenever there's an update to a story. Like yesterday, we we had some stories that people have been writing me about the Federal Reserve Bank. I think we might be having the author of that article about the rehypothecation or possible rehypothecation on tomorrow. So just a discussion. And you're also welcome to... uh, as I said earlier, follow me on Twitter and or on, uh, on uh, what is it, Instagram. I don't post too much on Instagram, and I've been told I need to do more of that, so I will. But follow me on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and on the, you know, you'll just be stalking me everywhere. Uh, and on those places, on Facebook and Twitter, and now recently in my email, I've been getting a lot of feedback from people who are asking me why the heck... I don't support Game of Thrones, and Sunday night, if I'm, if I'm getting ready for the show on Monday mornings and I, I pick up the Twitter on Sunday night, I just keep seeing Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, I'm, not, and I'm, I'm late to that dance, number one, and number two, um, I'm too cheap to have HBO, actually, it seems like, why bother? If you've got Netflix and you've got Hulu, I pretty much think you've got everything. So if I'm wrong on Game of Thrones and you want to try and talk me into it, you're welcome to. But I, I can't, when something gets to be that massive, I tend to want to push away from it. I tend to want to say, no, no, thank you. Um, I'm not going to be part of the sheep, part of the herd here that just follow it along. And, you know, I've seen enough violence in my life, as it is, that I I I, I guess people are saying it's it's a really good show. And I'm from, I saw a couple of clips sent to me by some of you well-meaning Game of Thrones fans who are telling me, no, you need to follow this. This is really good stuff. Meh. And, you know, it's just, I'm a fan of the procedural drama and I have a tendency to go on to... Uh, the stuff that PBS runs, and, and the mysteries that you can see on, on the PBS channel. So uh, I'm a fan of that genre, not necessarily the crazy, bloody, warring factions that you'll see on Game of Thrones. Just amazing. All right, so coming up next hour, I want to dive back into um, the story of, of the amazing parents of Heather Heyer and what's going on there. And I want to talk more about what's what's happening because there is a call now. There's a call to bet on whether or not Donald Trump will last the year. There actually are odds now, and we should talk about that. I'd love to know how you feel about that. Um, There are people who are absolutely terrified of the words President Pence. And I think that many of our liberal friends would absolutely freak out if Mike Pence were moved into the White House. I don't think that would be good for America to boot a president. And I, I think Donald Trump is, in some ways, even though I disagree with what he did yesterday, playing the media like a violin. Plus, there's news on the Loretta Lynch-Bill Clinton tarmac meeting. The investigation appears to have been opened up again, and there is much news to share. And we should talk about that, as well as uh, anything else that's on your mind. Phone lines are open for the third hour: triple eight nine hundred three three nine three eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three. We'll be right back.
0: With Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. This is pure Pelka. With Michael Pelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: It is the third hour of Puro Pelk on the Blaze Radio Network, and uh, an hour that we're going to touch on some topical stuff. We're going to uh, touch on some crazy stuff. There's actually a member of the Blaze.com staff who has been heard um, chanting Impeach45. Impeach45. It's not a Maxine Waters fan, although I think she qualifies as a millennial. I'm not sure because there are some people that are behind the millennials. I'm debating whether or not I should expose this person's identity because it it might cause uh, considerable embarrassment publicly. You're running around the blaze yelling impeach 45 (laughs) and peach. So much to get to today. So much to get to in this this third hour of the show before Chris Salcedo jumps in here and. Just so you know, Chris Salcedo sent me a message last night, and if, if it is true, if it's totally right, and I have no reason to doubt what he sent me, he's going to have a guest who is going to blow your mind. Trust me, if, if you have not listened to the Chris Salcedo show, I would encourage you to jump in. And listen to Chris Salcedo today, immediately following this show on the Blaze Radio Network. Just uh, a little bit of a plug for our liberty-loving Latino. I cannot give away too much of what he said, but it involves Charlottesville, it involves eyewitness accounts, and it could be earth-shaking. Seriously. Seriously. Now, yesterday, we asked the vital question, uh, as the mob tears down the Confederate War monument in North Carolina, do you support this elimination of, quote, offensive statues? 67% of you said, no, it's history. 27% of you agreed with me and said, "Don't, don't, don't destroy it and put it to a museum and make sure we learn from it three percent of you said yes it all has to go and three percent cannot decide now that's a pretty strong response and so overnight then we see that that um, the city of baltimore has quietly removed one of these monuments And the Black Lives Matter movement took this as their opportunity to go and tag the base where the statue once stood with the words Black Lives Matter. I'm a proponent of all lives matter, even the unborn Iceland. But uh, this question about Civil War monuments, Confederate War monuments, uh, monuments to other founders is going to be asked over and over again just today in chicago a pastor is calling for ram Emanuel to move to remove george washington and a statue that stands on the corner of 51st street and king drive at the entrance to washington park are we going to have to change the name of the park too Bishop James Dukes, who is a pastor of the Liberation Christian Center. Liberation, liberation. Now, where have I heard that before? Oh, yes, liberation theology. That was the same theology behind Reverend Jeremiah Wright, who shaped the mind of Barack Obama for 20 years sitting in the church. Liberation Theology. Look it up. Go ahead. Look it up. The Liberation Christian Center and Bishop James Dukes are saying he wants the statue gone and he wants Washington's name removed from the park. And after that, Pastor, are you going to also ask for the removal of Washington from the $1 bill? Are you going to ask for all schools that have the name Washington and Jefferson to be removed? Is that going to happen? He also wants Andrew Jackson's name removed from nearby Jackson Park because Andrew Jackson was a slave owner at the time. He wants the city not necessarily to rename the parks, but he wants the parks he suggested. You could still call it Washington Park, but name it after former Mayor Harold Washington who was, by the way, a terrible mayor. Jackson Park could be named after Reverend Jesse Jackson or singer Michael Jackson, one of the other Jacksons. So what's happening, the ball is started down the ramp, ladies and gentlemen, and it's picking up momentum. And I, I'm, I'm very nervous about this because once you rename all the streets and the schools and tear down the statues and remove every bit of evidence of anyone who ever owned a slave in our history, and yes, slavery was horrible and wrong, then what? Then what? That's what I want to know. What happens after that? What do you do? Do you forget and not teach history? I, I think this is, we, we are headed to a very, very dangerous place. Glenn talked about a group of, of black conservatives in Dallas who apparently are fighting any efforts to remove monuments related to the Civil War in Dallas. There is a statue of General Robert E. Lee in Dallas, a statue that went up in the 20th century. A statue that has a um, that has a plaque with the remarks from the president. The president at the unveiling said, "I am very happy to take part in the unveiling of this statue of General Robert E. Lee." Now remember, this was June twelfth, nineteen thirty-six. All over the United States, we recognize him as a great leader of men, as a great general. But also, all over the United States, I believe that we recognize him as something much more important than that. We recognize Robert E. Lee as one of our greatest American Christians and one of our greatest American gentlemen. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. FDR. The guy who was in the White House from 1933 to 1945, elected four times. FDR presided over the unveiling of the Robert E. Lee Memorial statue in Dallas, Texas. A Democrat, I don't think I need to remind you of that, but just in case there was any confusion, a Democrat stated all over the United States, we recognize him as a great leader of men, as a great general. But also all over the United States, I believe that we recognize him as something much more important than that. We recognize Robert E. Lee as one of our greatest American Christians and one of our greatest American Gentlemen, do we take down the Democrat-endorsed statue of Robert E. Lee in Dallas, Texas? I want to know. I want to know where somebody, somebody who worships, because there are those who are part of the Democratic establishment, who worship at the altar of FDR, who say, but for... That pesky health problem, FDR might have still been president today. I know, that's a little bit of an exaggeration. FDR, the guy who, when he couldn't get the people he wanted on the Supreme Court, tried to change the rules to make the court bigger so he could pack it and make it forever a progressive court, a a very liberal court. FDR loved Robert E. Lee. FDR called him one of our greatest American Christians and one of our greatest American gentlemen. Why isn't anybody standing up and pointing to that? We can't change our history. So why, why in the hell are we even thinking about erasing it? What about, what about that, that great university? What about Washington and Lee University? George Washington and Robert E. Lee. George Washington donated the seed money to start Washington and Lee. He donated the $20,000 needed to start Washington and Lee University. Robert E. Lee served as president of that university in its earliest days. We can't erase history. We can only learn from it. If we erase it, we are doomed to keep repeating the same mistakes. Not that we would, but you know that if if someone has no idea that it's a bad idea, that they're probably going to stumble into it somewhere. 1749, Washington and Lee is named for two men who played pivotal roles in the university's history. George Washington, who put up the money, helped the fledgling school known as Liberty Hall Academy survive, and Robert E. Lee, who provided innovative educational leadership during his transformational tenure as president of Washington College from 1865 to 1870. You can't change history. You can't rewrite history And I strongly believe you can't erase it. You can only keep teaching people about the mistakes. That's how we prevent making them over and over and over again. You know, we're looking like the Taliban now, aren't we? The interesting thing about this, the fascinating thing about this entire story and about the attacks and uh, the the violence that we saw in Charlottesville this weekend. Is it almost 40 years ago? Sorry, almost 50 years ago, Spider-Man's dad warned us about it. That's right, Spider-Man's dad. I'm using air quotes around dad. Stan Lee is the guy who created Spider-Man. Stan Lee wrote something in 1968. That bears repeating and rereading. I'm going to share it with you next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure
0: Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening
1: to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Before I get back to the Spider-Man story, I have to uh, once again share my appreciation to the people of Relief Factor, the brains behind Relief Factor who support this program. And I'm actually really happy to tell you I use Relief Factor and I'm thrilled with it. If they weren't on this show, would I still use it? Yes, absolutely. Re- what is Relief Factor? Relief Factor is, a, is a, a combination of botanicals, 100% natural botanicals, and wild harvested fish oil. And it comes in a, a four capsule packet. It's like a little vitamin packet. You get the three week quick start plan and you'll see. And I take it three times a day, every day. And it's all natural, so it works with your body to reduce inflammation and inflammation in my knees and my hips and my back. That's what was causing me pain. And so instead of medicating myself, I'm actually reducing the inflammation, reducing the pain. And so many people have done it. A million people have ordered Relief Factor, like Megan in California.
5: I've been using Relief Factor for a little bit over a month. Was a 34-year-old woman that has been in a car accident, I suffered from severe neck pain, shooting pain down my arms and legs that would often cause me to limp. At one point I was going to a chiropractor and an acupuncturist six times a week. I noticed visible improvement within two days of taking your product relief factor and it has really, truly changed my life.
1: And changed mine too, so I agree with you, Megan. Uh, if you want to check it out, try the three-week quick start pack. It's $19.95. It's cheaper than a cup of coffee a day. Call them at 800-500-8384, 800-500-8384. Ask them the questions or go and see see it online at relieffactor.com. Now, I was talking about Spider-Man as we were having this discussion about the craziness that's been happening from some of these violent fringe groups, these people who Saturday were chanting, Friday they were chanting uh, the Jews won't take our jobs, the Jews won't replace us, blood and soil, which is a Nazi chant, thank you very much, lovely. These are people who don't get it. These are people who are trying to change the direction of this country, who are trying to change the makeup of this country, as Dr. Jorge discussed earlier in the show, and it was a, a wonderful analogy, America's a salad. <laughs> and the, the mix is what makes it so tasty and wonderful. And it is a salad. But in 1968, comic book creator, Superman's dad, Stan Lee, wrote something in his, in his comics called Stan's Soapbox. Stanley wrote the following. Let's lay it right on the line. Bigotry and racism are among the deadliest social ills plaguing the world today. But unlike a team of costumed supervillains, they can't be halted with a punch in the snoot or a zap from a ray gun. The only way to destroy them is to expose them, to reveal them for the insidious evils they are. The bigot is an unreasoning hater, one who hates blindly, fanatically, indiscriminately. If his hang-up is black men, he hates all black men. If a redhead once offended him, he hates all redheads. If some foreigner beat him to a job, he's down on all foreigners. He hates people he's never seen, people he's never known, with equal intensity and equal venom. Now, we're not trying to say it's unreasonable for one human being to bug another. But although anyone has the right to dislike another individual, it's totally irrational, patently insane, to condemn an entire race, to despise an entire nation, to vilify an entire religion. Sooner or later we must learn to judge each other on our own merits. Sooner or later, if man is to ever be worthy of his destiny. We must fill our hearts with tolerance. For then and only then will we be truly worthy of the concept that man was created in the image of God, a God who calls us all his children. Peace and justice. Stan. 1968, Stan Lee wrote that almost 50 years ago, and here we are again today dealing with the same problem of bigotry and racism. Here we are today looking at each other and having a wedge driven between us by a tiny fraction of people who would just do it because of their myopia, because of their ignorance. We can't let this country be torn apart from inside. I'm truly hoping that what happened, what happened in Charlottesville, the death of Heather Heyer, can be used for a uniting fact, factor, can bring us together as a nation. We need to play a little bit more from Heather's mom's speech that went on just before this show started. We'll get to that before we get out of here today. Mike Opelka and Pure Opelka, come on back.
0: You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. On the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Welcome back to Pure Opelka. It is a, a day of a variety of topics, but yet they're all related to the central topic and this uh, this theme that we're looking at, this group that's trying to tear us apart, This this racist group. And there's more than one, I understand. It's the neo-Nazis, it's the white supremacists, it's the alt-right, it's the alt-left, it's the people that want to cause and disrupt, and tear apart our our great America. It's because they don't understand it. And they believe, they believe, I, I think, they believe that that socialism is the way to go. And I told you the other day, I got into this protracted argument with this American socialist, this Workers of the World Party on Twitter that wanted to tell me that socialism is really the answer despite the fact that I pointed out how many times and places socialism has failed and killed millions, destroyed countries and lives. Well, it hasn't really, it hasn't really been enacted yet. They said it hasn't really been allowed to happen. I will always fight for the individual and the right for the individual to stand on their own two feet to succeed or fail based on their own merits As long as the playing field is level. As long as we all have the same opportunity. And America didn't always have that. We can have that honest conversation that we heard from Susan Bro, the mother of the late Heather Heyer. She talked about uncomfortable conversations and and really what, what we have to get into. And that doesn't mean... Tearing down statues and hiding statues. That doesn't mean removing history. It means making sure history is preserved. It really is troubling to me. And yet, we're going to have this conversation because some of these people are loud. You know, uh, I, I need to go back into my files. So much of what's going on today with the protests that, that are happening They happened in Oakland and Seattle. You saw the one in uh, Durham, North Carolina. By the way, the ringleader who tore down the statue was arrested. And I'm real happy about it. And of course, a a socialist group is starting starting a legal defense fund for the woman who tore down the statue. I think community standards should be respected and community standards should be allowed to dictate what happens in that that community and others. If the people want it down, take it down. But you just can't allow a small, angry group to change the way a society operates. Even if they are 51% in this country... In a representative republic, if we have mob justice, we're going to have a problem. But the community's got to get together on it and decide what to do. And if they vote to remove it, yes, then they should do it. But you can't have a mob out on the streets. Because guess what? You change a few minds and now the mob is going the other way. And suddenly you go from predator to prey. And you're a target. Mob justice and, and pure democracies are always a problem. Look at Egypt. You just can't. And, and to some extent, I'm telling you, California, some of the things you guys vote in, the binding resolutions cause a lot of trouble. I heard Doc talking about how beautiful California is, and I absolutely mirror some of his statements on the... I have a friend who just sent me pictures from Lake Arrowhead. Lake Arrowhead is one of the more beautiful places that I've ever witnessed. But I couldn't, I can't do California until it goes back to being conservative, which might not happen in my lifetime. But I'm, I'm very worried about the direction and the momentum that the movement to Eliminate History is picking up. Very nervous indeed about this. And we need to be able to talk honestly with the people. And I, I will tell you, I'm, I'm given everybody that I run into who says we need to take down the statue. We need to remove it. It needs to go away now. We need to violently remove it. If the government want, won't, we need to do it. No. No, I, I can't stand for that. And I ask them if they're any better than the Taliban. And then they get all offended. Well, of course we're better than the Taliban. How? How are you better than the Taliban? Well, because we think we're right, is basically the answer. But in fact, they're not. And if if they would do an honest evaluation of it, they really aren't. They would really tell you they're not. I'm going to close the show talking again about Heather higher, so I'm going to hold that. But I want to introduce a topic that I think we need to, we'll we need to get into over the next day, and it might even be a, um, a vital question. I just read, and this is a complete shift of gears, I just read a story that Richard Branson, the uh, billionaire guy, wants to introduce... A uh, UBI, as they call it. No, it's nothing medical. UBI is a universal basic income. And I am terrified that some of these super rich guys are going to push this idea out to the masses. The premise is that the robots are taking all the jobs. The robots are absolutely taking all the jobs as many as 47% of the jobs based on some estimates of experts and futurists. Automation, 47% of jobs in the next 10 to 20 years. And some of these people then think the government will need to replace those jobs with what they call a universal basic income, meaning the government's going to hand you money every month to live on. I'm sorry, no, They think that a fixed amount of money is needed to replace these jobs. Well, what the hell did we think was going to happen when we started seeing factories develop? We thought, didn't we think that some of these automated systems, some of these computers were going to suddenly take away all the jobs so we would need to have universal basic income? It's not the first time this has been discussed. Elon Musk also says, that we should talk about it. So whether you're unemployed or employed, everybody would get a fixed amount, like a thousand bucks a month. And experts believe that the payment from the government to each one of us should be just enough to get you to go do part-time work and maybe help you become an entrepreneur. I'm sorry, I, I don't think this is a good idea at all. Universal basic income based on today's population, if you just did 1000 bucks a month to every man, woman, and child in the country, that's about $4 trillion a year. $4 trillion. Of course, that would mean a tax increase. Well, what the hell is the point of giving people money if you're just going to tax it? It doesn't make any sense to me. I think this is a long shot, but now as we see these mobs, as we see these mobs in the streets, these sheep who are now easily led, who are, I believe, quickly going to be turning towards socialist thinking, national socialist thinking, that this is a possible reality. Politically, I don't think it's able to get through for a couple of years. But there are many who say the cost of not doing it is greater than the cost of doing it. I'm sorry, but I, I believe that we are we are on the edge here of a major change in how America and capitalism are viewed. And I, I would venture a guess, and we'll do a little research on this, but universal basic income – I will bet you that during the Industrial Revolution, there were people who talked about this and said, these machines are going to take all the jobs. These damn computers are going to take all the jobs. And now we're saying these robots are going to take all the jobs. And yet what happens? We somehow come up with new jobs. We've had a decade of reducing employment participation, and only in the past few months have we seen us start digging out of that ditch. I don't think universal basic income is the way to go, but I'm happy to pose the vital question and let us discuss it for the next 24 hours on Twitter. And that's exactly what I'll ask. Is it time for a universal basic income? With the impending <laughs> resurgence or takeover by the robots is UBI the way to go weigh in and we'll discuss uh, not only here today but tomorrow as well I'm going to post the question now join the conversation you can also call in 888 900 or on the Twitter at StuntBrain we'll be right back
0: to Pure
1: Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio
1: Network. Welcome back to Puro Pelka. Just reminding you, our friend, the liberty-loving Latino, Chris Salcedo, has a guest I think could be groundbreaking right around the corner. Seriously, I, I'm I'm not going to give away too much of what Chris has scheduled today, but if if what he sent me is correct, uh, I don't know how I'm going to turn, tune away. I... I am. Uh, I, I can't wait to hear this. So Chris Salcedo has a guest. Uh, let's just say I think this falls into the eyewitness category in the situation in Charlottesville. So big stuff. Uh, Senator Cory Gardner, a guy who's called the president out, uh, a Republican who's called out the president saying, hey, uh, we, need, we need a little more clarity and a little less fudging on uh, the subject here of who these bad guys are. He was in front of a town hall and uh, proved that he's he's not just saying it for the TV cameras, he also is saying it for his constituents. Here is Gardner talking about Nazis. I don't
3: know about you, but I think it's about time that with Nazi flags go back to their hole. We will not stand for it. in
1: this country, and we have to make that crystal clear. Uh, if you needed translation, uh, A-holes with Nazi flags are not welcome. Not in this state, not in this country, and we need to make that crystal clear. I'm with you, Senator. I'm absolutely with you 100 percent. So thank you for that. Uh, also thank you for those of you who jumped in on the Twitter already. And are starting to uh, vote and put some, put some news behind and put some weight behind my question about universal basic income, which we will address tomorrow. We'll go into the results of this vital question, because there is a push coming from many saying that, uh, oh, yes, we need a universal basic income. And it's always from people who don't need it. You know, Richard Branson, Elon Musk. By the way, uh, I might be joining your ranks uh, if I win the Powerball tonight. What is it, $430 million? Yes! What will I do? I might buy a golf course. (laughs) A golf course and a vineyard. Because those are two ways, they say, to turn a large fortune into a small fortune. No, I wouldn't do that. I'd still be here. You You can trust me on that. But we'll discuss universal basic income tomorrow. Uh, before we get out of here, I want to once again talk about possibly one of the more moving, moving things I saw out of all of this. And that was the mother of Heather Heyer at the memorial that happened just before this show started. She was up there talking about her daughter and how strong her da- daughter was and, and how we should honor her daughter. And I don't know how you hold it together virtually days since your daughter was taken from you. But she did and she did it beautifully. And she made a, a brilliant, powerful statement at the very end.
2: But there were dialogues and the conversations have to happen. That's the only way we're gonna carry Heather's spark through. So remember in your heart, if you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. And I want you to pay attention Find what's wrong, don't ignore it, don't look the other way. You make a point to look at it and say to yourself, what can I do to make a difference? And that's how you're going to make my child's death worthwhile. I'd rather have my child, but by golly, if I got to give her up, we're going to make it count.
1: Wow. Wow. How do you not How do you not get emotional? I mean, how does she not get emotional? How does anyone watching that not get emotional? God bless you. God bless you, Heather Heyer, and your mom, Susan Bro and your entire family. Let's try and keep it together and do good things. See you here tomorrow. Testudo, my friends. Testudo.
0: Your Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. On Demand.